0: So this is a thing now, isn't it? When I first started recording these remote pods, I was thinking, oh, I can just do a couple of these and we'll be back to normal in a week or so. Well, here we are, months later, in a new normal and a new world. I'm not sure about you, but I've wrestled with hope. What does my future look like? What does our future look like? And how will we evolve? Well, we're doing it, and we're doing it right now. My guest this week is full of hope, honesty and is someone i've always admired for his ability to not only challenge himself at all times but ask himself how can he help others in the process in times like these whatever all the time it's so refreshing to hear that and i'm truly grateful for it and what's a good conversation without talking about a little punk rock My name is Jeremy Kirkland, and this is Blammo, a podcast exploring the world of fashion with the people who shape it. My guest this week is Conrad Olsen, editor-in-chief and founder of Scandinavian Man. Conrad and I discuss how the pandemic has changed his relationship with Instagram and social media, the challenges facing online retail, and the complexities of fashion becoming more sustainable in the process. Last but not least, we discuss the similarities of the menswear community with the hardcore punk scene he grew up in. Conrad Olson, it's it's amazing to talk to you. I've long been an admirer of you, and have been slowly and you had me on your show way back when. Um, I, I did, yeah. And that was that was a huge pleasure. But yeah, we're chatting during the I did. There's not a correct name to, to title whatever this is, but this like coronavirus crisis, and we were talking about instagram and the fact that everyone but before we started recording we we were discussing how everyone's pivoting to video including both of us yeah and podcasting is easy to like make maybe difficult to market difficult to produce difficult to keep going but video is gargantuanly hard to do so what you were saying, like you open up Instagram, everyone's talking to you, like you're yeah, doing video.
1: But first of all, thank you so much for having me on. It's just a true pleasure talking to you again. Uh, but I was just mentioning it's 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 like my my experience of this social media Instagram we've had for for ten years is like I feel like it's it just started talking to me. I feel like we've used it for ten years posting. Um, yeah. these outfit pics or, or beautiful views or pictures of our food or whatever. And then, you know, stories came and we started sort of filming things around us. Yeah. Um, I'm waving my hand here. But yeah. when Corona hit, it just, I'm, I'm opening my app now and it's got, you know, 12 to 15 live streams going on at once. And I feel like the, 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 the Instagram community just
0: started talking to me.
1: and uh, And I love it. I really do love it. And, uh, Wait, for you know, real? Yeah.
0: yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit polarized by it and I'm someone who's probably contributing to the noise of mm-hmm. video stuff. Because I've, I've jumped in. Okay, there's a bit of like an ethic thing I'm wondering where I see people, including myself, I'll jump into someone's live stream and I didn't mean to. <laughs> because I just cycled to the next story, and I'm like, "Shit!" And you're like, wondering,
1: are you gonna? Do, will they be upset if you leave? Yes,
0: yes. Because it's <laughs> I have nothing against any of the people's live streams. I've I've jumped into, but I jumped into one, and it says, you know, that this person joined. So like, Conrad mm. Olsen or Scandinavian man joined. Sometimes you, whatever, they the say like, "Hey, joined. Conrad here." Yeah, and they're like, <laughs> someone was like, "Yo, Jeremy, what's up?" And I was like, "Uh, I'm let sorry, me just yeah, do an to- <laughs> emoji." I was like really I'm sitting on the toilet right now. I don't even want it to. <laughs> Someone's like, "Yo, do you want to go live?" and I'm like, "No, no, 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 no." <laughs> Maybe there's a
1: New York uh, New York magazine article coming out that, you know. Yeah. S- s- setting up the rules for this. Yeah. But yeah, no, really. I I I enjoy it. I mean, I've, you know, you know me. I've been doing podcasts for for quite some time. I really enjoy the audio format. It it's it's a way to bring myself closer to people around the world that I admire and I think are doing really you know cool stuff. So uh, to me, who's you know the way I see it and the way I've sort of uh, entered the world is I, I as it is as a sort of um, DIY subculture perspective on things. You know whether that's you know uh, the world of design or the world of menswear or you know different kinds of worlds that you jump in and out of, and and to me. Uh, when podcasting came it was just this intimacy with people that I uh, enjoy and like so it just feels natural that it moves into the arena that we use the most or I use the most which is Instagram it's not as good for long form so it's uh, you know it behooves you to to perhaps chop it up and do shorter videos but I really enjoy seeing it. And, and maybe the sort of uncomfortableness that, that you, I don't know, you, you tell me, but but that we feel is maybe because, I don't know who started, maybe was it the cheesy influencers that started this, and that's why we feel we, we can't do it. But but <laughs> hey, you know, I got a bunch of cool people in my feed and in my community and people that I like. I, I like to hear from them. And now yeah. that I, don't, I won't be able to see them at Pittiomo this summer, uh, so why why not on Instagram, right?
0: Yeah, no, that's true. See that you have the very loving and optimistic outlook, while I mine is is fearful and hesitant. Uh, which yeah, but, well, I <laughs> I'm wanna ju- to. Yeah, I, w- I want to jump like a little bit further back because you had mentioned podcasting, mm. and I would say that you even pre obviously pre Scandinavian man too. You were, like, one of the very, very early podcasters with your brother, right?
1: I was, and I don't know how early that was. In Sweden, uh, like, I think, like, eight years ago, there came out a few, like, there was this crowd of people that had listened a lot to Mark Marin, I think, and they started doing podcasts in Sweden. So a lot of, like, comics and uh, TV personalities and, and people like that started doing uh, podcasting. And I'm a guy that really never uh listen to radio growing up mm-hmm. so i I've, I've, I've never had any sort of relationship with with the audio uh the audio medium uh, let's say so i came into audio through podcasting and i've always been uh, curious of, of new formats you know I'm a magazine guy at heart so I'm a print guy at heart but but I've always been interested in new formats I started blogging back in like 2004 uh, I've jumped on every new social media that's, that's come out there because I think I'm, I'm just curious that way so when podcasting came I, I was just I, I have to do this I have to and, and it was it's, it's also I think it's liberating for a guy who is also a writer at heart It's almost like cheating. (laughs)
0: Like, (laughs) what do you mean?
1: Maybe if you're writing, you have to sit down and be thoughtful and make sure the sentences, you know, pull together and they end in a cool way. But if you're just talking, you're just talking and you're making content just sitting like this, like you and me right here. And, you know, I noticed that that could be. As an interesting um, format to to take in stuff and learn stuff, especially learn stuff, I think it's much easier in audio. Yeah. Um, but but also to it's just an entertainment and and if you're looking at any sort of uh, futurist right now where where, uh, Technology is going. Everyone's saying that audio is the next next frontier, the next step. We see it now with these sort of home speakers that are listening to us and we're talking to. <laughs> right. If you if you see the movie Her with Joaquin Phoenix that came out like five or six years ago, his interface with the computer is audio. He's talking to the computer, and yeah. he's you know he eventually falls in love with it. Uh, but that's another story. But I think audio is. It's, I think. I find it super, super interesting, and I. I feel like there's going to be an explosion. And you just mentioned to me it's hard to find mics these days because everyone's at home trying to be a YouTuber or a podcaster or you know, Instagram liver. Yeah. Um, so I think I think what this this situation we're in right now is probably going to you know exponentially exp- explode the the need for audio.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I th- I think. A lot of people are trying to do shows and trying to make content, which I think is great. And I encourage all of that. Mm. I think the good and the bad is I think some people are going to hit the wall in terms of the difficulty and maintaining that. Because, mm. um, you know, it's it's just tough to keep up. The, the The best and worst thing about making a podcast is as soon as you play it for someone or someone hears it, they're like, cool, when's the next one? And you're right. like, wait, that took... 40 hours of my life that took 80 hours you know like, well, multiple people did this and you're like cool when's the, when's the next one I I know I know and I think
1: I've been doing I mean I think you've been doing it well in terms of defining uh, defining it as seasons when you do blamo right so oh, you yeah. know that you're in you, I don't know how you define when in the year you are and never keep track but I know I'm you know I'm in a season of blamo whether it's yes. I don't know, it's four or five right now or something seven seven. Great. Uh, you, I mean, I love your podcast, but to do it like Joe Rogan or these guys doing it like every week or twice a week or three times a week or, or like I think Marin's doing the same, that's, you know, that's that's a handful and that's a, uh, pretty much a full time job and you need staff and, and stuff like that. Just, just to um, get people. I mean, I'm, I'm a magazine editor. I know how hard it is just to get, get a hold of people and yeah. find the right time to, to to have them there and just just uh, it's it, it it new technology makes it look easy yeah and it's available for quote unquote everyone yeah but it I think it also sort of separates um, I don't know what's the it's, it's an expression here but it separates the good from the bad in a way uh, we'll, <laughs> you we, we will see the ones that will sustain this and I think yeah. we're gonna see some great. Uh, new voices, uh, you know, coming out of this because right oh, now I you, agree. Can, you can pretty much take up your phone and start talking to it and and have an audience. You don't have to go through, you know, these expensive microphones and and whatnot.
0: Yeah, you. So what you and your brother had started to show that was just like the what was it called? It was like the Olsen
1: brothers. The, the Olsen or brothers. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. What <laughs> he's was? Gonna,
1: he's gonna hate. He's gonna hate no, to it's me right. talking about this. We just, we just, we tried to relaunch it uh, a few weeks ago. I saw, we I saw. Were, we, yeah, yeah, and we were both excited, but eventually he realized he, he wouldn't be able to sustain it with his family and his business, so he sort of, he opted out after one episode, which I'm, <sighs> I'm sad about. But I will be back with some sort of more recurring uh, podcast uh, for myself, and I'll, I'll, he'll be a guest on that. So yeah. I have a new format that I'm actually toying around with, and that's why I bought the mic that I'm, um, I'm using right now for the first time, and I told you about before we started recording. So yeah, yeah. And this, this is just goes to the point here, which is I'm super excited about this format, and I want to play around with it, um, right. publishing audio and audio-video on, on various different uh, formats. There's there's some, I think there there's some good stuff happening out there. I think uh,
0: there's this guy. I don't know if you follow Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. I I'm I'm familiar with him. Um, he's he's a polarizing character. Uh, uh, he, he is. I'm sure. Yeah. Probably more in the US, in the states that I am aware of. You know, he's and he's an
1: intense guy. So yes, uh, it's you know uh, tread cautiously when you <laughs> go into Gary V Land. But what yeah. he's doing during chrono time, which I think is really great, is, is he's just sitting in front of his computer doing sort of live, live Instagram live, or I don't know the the, the platform he's using. But he's talking mm-hmm. to his audience and then he's when there is some sort of lesson learned or he's kind of like this self-help business guru when there's a lesson learned he or his team like edits it into this really short format like 2 minute video and it posts on on, on instagram and you know you don't have to like him that's not my point here my point is it's very effective how he's doing it in in that he's sort of you know chopping down or edits which is really what they're doing. It's editing down these short uh, format videos with a very clear message in like uh, uh, one and a half to three minutes, and I just find that super fascinating. And, and it's part of what I'm what I'm, I was talking about before, like. Instagram started talking to me before he posted like, you know, cool quotes or whatever, like business inspirational quotes and stuff like that. But now he's like, he's talking to his crowd. He's talking to people following him and, and it feels like a new thing that's exploding.
0: Well, but so I'm, I'm curious your your deeper perspective on that because Conrad, like you are a very established journalist and someone who's also an entrepreneur in the sense that, I mean, you've, at a pretty illustrious career before Scandinavian man. And then also you've been running and helming that and be in a lot of ways, the voice of Scandinavian fashion in a globalized market. Yet you also have some of these other, for lack of a better term, like Gary V is his own, his own worst enemy at times too. And he's kind of, a lot of those guys communicate business ethics or, you know, business practices that are summarized in two minutes Right. And as someone like on your side as an entrepreneur and a journalist, a lot of that stuff um really doesn't take into account the, the 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 time and the effort and the grit to 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 build some of these things. Does that like ever rub you the wrong way?
1: I don't know. <laughs> I'm actually I'm I'm in a period of consuming these guys right now. I'm curious okay. about how they're doing it. Not so much, I mean as I said, tread cautiously, and and right. and, you know, in Sweden we have expression. Maybe it's in English too, but to take it with a pinch of salt. Yes, um, yes. Uh, so, but I'm 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 I'm, I guess I'm more interested in it in terms of format because i think mm. they're really affecting in effective in reaching their audience and engaging with their audience so I'm, I'm really curious about that in terms of the sort of inspirational business stuff you know sometimes it can be helpful to me as an entrepreneur just to get a little push and and those guys they all talk about grit and there's you know there's there's people in real estate and you know <laughs> going all back to to tony robbins and all those guys and you know so i i don't know i it's not like I'm reading, you know, self-help business literature uh, all all day, but right. uh, I but I've, I I find myself levitating to these guys. I think mostly from a format perspective. Because I'm always curious about new formats. How are people communicating? How are they reaching out? Yeah. Uh, I think the world of menswear has been hugely inspiring in how, and we've, we've talked about this before, how it is you know, in just like 10 years' time established this sort of global web of people uh, connecting with each other and feeling like they belong to the same sort of uh, community or subculture or however you want to define it. And I always thought that was so inspiring and when you go to Pitiomo or or, or or these places um where where these people congregate you you really you have a sense of, of positive uh, community mm-hmm. uh, which I really enjoy but I also you know I enjoy different communities and different yeah, you know I move in and I work in technology I work in, in design and so forth so um, I don't know if that answers your question but but uh, t- I I think it's 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 uh it's good to establish that I'm I'm not you know a devoted follower of these
0: business gurus.
1: That's <laughs> sure. not that's not my point here.
0: Um, re- regarding Scandinavian Man, how how did all that start? Because I think when I first came into contact with you, I knew of the previous stuff that you had done, but Scandinavian mm. Man was was relatively new. Yeah. How, how did all that that begin?
1: It was in a way kind of serendipitous. Um, and we're talking about this in a very interesting time because there's <laughs> huge changes going on and we can talk about that later but going sure. back to the beginning um, my my uh, my co-founder uh, came to me when I was editor-in-chief of Plaza magazine and we had an offshoot magazine called Plaza uomo which we did in English and did a bunch of events down in Florence Italy Piteomo that we mentioned. So I think you knew me from that from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but he came to me actually wanting to start a new fashion week for menswear in Scandinavia. So this was sort of like a project we that was f- funded by at uh, the city of Gothenburg that were interested in doing something with fashion. So for six wow. months, we worked with the city of Gothenburg to establish a new Fashion Week. So eventually that project never panned out. We we didn't get the funding, but we'd spent six months establishing this brand. And, and during this time, we found this name, Scandinavian Man. And when, when the Fashion Week didn't pan out, we were like, hold on, this, this name is too good to do, you know, not to do something with. Uh, and it could be something that's not just one event every six months or, or, or once a year. So let's just try to see if we can, you know, if, if, if we can give this concept wings. And we basically just decided um, to test it out. And we decided that this was April of 17, I think. We okay. decided that in, in, in October 17, we're going to launch Scandinavian Man to the World with an event in New York. And that was, like, one idea that we had. Um, and, and you know, the, the platform that we established w- was about supporting Scandinavian brands. Um, so we went to the brands uh, talking about this and said, we're going to launch a magazine, but we also, we also had this whole, like, event platform uh, sort of consultancy, and eventually we wanted to do an e-commerce out of it. Uh, so we went to the brand saying, "Do you want to? Do you want to join us uh, uh, in this in this um, uh, launch of Scandinavian Man?" And we got, you know, uh, significant amount of brands from all over Scandinavia, mostly Copenhagen and Stockholm, uh, wanting mm-hmm. to do it. And then uh, six months later, we we did. So it, it, was, it was never really meant to be. But during this time, I also left uh, Plaza because I was yeah. curious about doing something else. And I think, in a way, I never really meant to do you know it's never really a dream of mine but i come from a family of entrepreneurs so i think it was sort of destined that i eventually i I sort of uh you know get out there on my own trying to do do my own
0: company well what do you mean you you come from a family of entrepreneurs like what like your 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 parents your yeah well my grand
1: uh Father, my paternal grandfather started a chain of uh, fa- fabric stores selling fabrics in Sweden in 1971, uh, and my father took that over. And now uh, one of my brothers, the the the, the third brother, um, is running it in Sweden. And we have t- 20 uh, 20 stores all around Sweden. Oh my
0: God. Yeah,
1: that's that's And you. then I have two brothers living in in LA, having with a web uh, or a, I'm sorry, a, um, design agency for for the movie industry. So basically, I'm the only one that's not running a family company. <laughs> oh my god! What, what what did your father do, if you don't mind? And my father worked with the family company, so he was oh, okay. sort of the second generation of this fabric stores. And and since uh, I think it's like three years ago, my brother took over as CEO.
0: Okay. Did you feel pressure to kind of be involved in the, the family thing?
1: Not at all. He never pressured any of us. In fact, growing up, he always talked about selling the business. Uh, <laughs> so, um, no, he was, my, my parents was, was really supportive of, of anything we wanted to do ourselves. I come from a city up in the north of, of Sweden called Umeå and had a really vibrant sort of punk and hardcore scene when I grew up so I, I kind of grew up in that world uh, played in bands myself my, my older brother played in bands and my father was always you know driving us around from from rehearsal and and, and you know uh, doing concerts and stuff um, so my thing I, I think I knew very early on that I wanted to write um, that that's something I knew so being an entrepreneur you know I' i was how old was I? I was like 37 when i started scanning man 36. right so it took that long for me to be in a situation in a kind of entrepreneurial situation my drive has always been sort of you know, what the kids today call creating content you know right but <laughs> yeah i I'm a, I'm a writer at heart and i started my own sort of fan scene in the punk punk scene in Umio when i was uh, 17. so
0: that's right because you have when I remember when we did your show yeah. a couple of years ago you had mentioned that there was a connection with you and Refused. Yeah. What it was my homies? Are you kidding?
1: Uh, no so um, I know those guys well I'm, I'm sort of a, a, a kind of a half a generation younger than them I think I'm, I'm they're like you know six to ten years older than me so yeah. they were definitely the heroes growing up in that scene but they were always around and, and I, 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 I I owe so much to that scene uh, both in terms of community in terms of sort of belonging to a subculture but also because of they like brought the world to this this remote city in the north of europe umeo like they, yeah. we had bands from all over the states playing there all the time and when i was like 15 16 something i started um i came from actually a christian uh family as well so and and a pentecostal church so i was wow. my we, we're not active today but we were back then and so I came into it sort of uh, from that perspective, so the the church uh, bought a cafe in the central of Umuo, and the okay. cafe had a, a, a concert venue. Uh, so, we were some kids in the church, like, we were really into hardcore music. We were like, we're going to do hardcore band, we're going to reach out to the crowd now, you are going to fill this place. And we did, and, you know, the elderly and the church, like, hated us for it. Uh, but we filled the cafe every, every weekend with bands like, you know, Sam I Am, or... Uh, what, else, what else do we... I wish I had some good good names now. But a lot of the sort of DC and uh, West Coast band from the States came there. And then that's how I met or got to know Dennis, which is the singer of Refused. Because he, um, he knew a lot of these bands and he was like, Oh, this is crazy Christian guy <laughs> <laughs> doing punk concerts in the Christian cafe. So I helped him and... and I, I, I can't remember if we even sort of we took some funding from the church somehow we took some like some kind of you know concert budget and we gave it yeah. to these sort of crazy uh, hardcore bands <laughs> from, from the states and Dennis it's uh, because he knew all those guys and then I became really good friends with uh, David their drummer and who writes most of the songs and refused so yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's that's my crowd that's how I grew up and a lot of there's a lot of famous musicians coming out of Uh, um, Swe out coming. You know, they're big in Sweden, like Deportees and all these other bands are are from Umu as well. So, folks, I grew up with.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it is interesting to me because there is a strong overlap of people in the I'm going to air quote like the menswear world that have these deep love uh, and connections to the punk scene. Really? And oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, okay. I mean you you have people like, you know, Aaron Levine who is the head of uh Abercrombie, mm. uh you know, came from Ralph Lauren. You have uh people like, you know, like Brian Davis at Wooden Sleepers, a lot, a lot of vintage guys have big connections into that a lot of the the Drake's folks, they all come from hardcore scenes like oh, that's true. Tony that's Sylvester true. That's true. um is in Turbo Negro. I mean, he is he is Turbo Negro, which yeah. is the, the, the you know. I mean it is it's really interesting and even um there's a band called fucked up uh with a guy named damian abraham mm-hmm. and um they were a band on matador when i was uh when i used to work uh for the beggars group and damian's really into clothes too all, all the guys in 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 fucked up i remember when they came to new york because they're a canadian band they all went here's this the swedish connection here they all went to acne and they blew like just a ton of cash on all their like you know their their tour fits from acne (laughs) and because it was just like it was just like that synergy of like cool guy fashion but i i don't know really why that is where there's just this deep love and connection uh of of sort of like cool guy menswear and and in hardcore specifically
1: well i I've, I've made the connection before not with the sort of you I mean you you are sort of proving my point but i in a way i'm not surprised because i've always uh, you know likened the menswear community with 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 the punk and hardcore community that i or it, 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 to me it's the same kind of feeling that i i sensed a, a sense of community that i had growing up in the in, in the punk and hardcore scene right. and I don't know. I don't. It, we can talk about it here and try to dissect that. But you know, for for one, I think it's it's obviously nerding out on stuff. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, you know. On the one hand, it's music. On the other hand, it's menswear, and you know, all the, all the you know um, wells you can d- d- dig deep in there. Um, but I think also there's this sense of of kind of a, like a positive community because the hardcore scene at a glance like anyone's looking from outside in thought it was like all oh, these crazy people and they sort of you know they're really violent concerts and these mosh pits and these everything and these, like, it, it's like it's it looked like like a scary place but uh, from the inside it was really sort of you know loving and, 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 and everyone cared for each other and everyone was supporting each other and all the bands were supporting each other. There was really no competition because everyone was sort of creating the scene. And I kind of sensed the same thing with the menswear community. I think, and and to to contrast that, uh, especially mm-hmm. the menswear community that you're talking about and sort of what you see at Pityomo, but to contrast that with the rest of the fashion world, which, which can really be harsh... And maybe Extremely. this is a gender thing, um, you know, I don't want to go too deep in in this analysis, but but I can just I can just uh, you know, uh, testify to my experience and and I can really, there are similarities in how uh, there's a sense of community here and how you approach. Um, your 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 craft or your knowledge or the things that you learn or, you, or your things that you're good at. And I think you the podcast that you are doing is a very sort of supportive, uh, positive uh, uh, podcast. And a lot of those guys that you have on, they all know each other, support each other, and it's mm-hmm. like a shout out all the time to all these people. And I, I, I kind of sense that from from the punk and hardcore scene growing up.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think a, a lot of the these things and maybe it's still because menswear you know the the air quote there is is still for some people really new i mean there's still Mm. a lot of guys that i'll talk to about clothing and they're a little bit caught off guard by a guy liking clothes just like it doesn't seem too masculine to them still i mean this is 2020 you know and, and and that's like an issue for them so maybe like it's it's that sort of thing into which we all have something that we can agree on and that there's this common ground but yeah I, I don't know it, it is it is strange because when you when you think of um, more mainstream fashion, you do have a very heightened competitive mindset in there um, and with menswear right. and PT it's this a rising tide lifts all ships like it, great your brand's doing good cool you know let's let's do something together you know you have people like way yeah. co who advertises for other like you know companies within his just him talking like he'll he'll sit and he'll tell you about 10 other companies that he thinks are doing mm. at, you know as good as what he's doing or better than what he's doing and i think in a weird way and th- this is a whole other philosophical discussion but i feel like that that loving embrace that um does exist from the community makes more people want to be involved in that community and also kind of like adds more voices to it i mean in in podcasts there was a guy who started a podcast and he reached out to me he's like hey i'm gonna do like a menswear podcast like are you cool with that like i was in, in charge of it like i don't i was like dude no go like here let me here's here's my setup yeah here's how i do this like like go for it like more voices like more people doing this this is going to be great like mm. and and it'll turn more people onto this and and i anyone who ever reaches out to me about like how do i make a show or anything i'm like here you go i i even have like a custom email template now where it's like this is exactly what oh, i really? use <laughs> oh yeah because uh, there's nothing proprietary that what i'm doing here especially like, especially with podcasts, which were really started and it is the most open format in terms of how it's distributed, how it's created. There's nothing proprietary to it. It's just, you know, it the conversation, I I guess. So this week is brought to you by Hurtling. Hurtling has been making premium menswear in Brooklyn, New York since 1925 due to COVID-19. They've responded by enabling their production lines to make face masks. Since March, Hurtling has manufactured and donated over 20,000 face masks to essential workers, local hospitals, and fire departments in support of face mask aid. As masks are going to be part of our lives for the foreseeable future, Hurtling is now offering face masks direct to customers online. These are constructed with the same premium fabric as their apparel and come in an assortment of patterns like gingham, chambray, camo, and more. Look, this is not some bandana around your face here, folks. They have two different designs, pleated and contour. The masks are a three-layer cotton woven with a polypropylene inner lining filter. Look, if you're looking to support New York City and take care of yourself in the meantime, visit HurtlingUSA.com and pick up some masks for yourself and family. Use the promo code BLAMO, and every mask you purchase, they'll donate another mask to essential workers via Face Mask Aid. That's HurtlingUSA.com. Use the promo code BLAMO and every mask you purchase, they'll donate another mask to essential workers via Face Mask Aid. And don't worry, they'll make your favorite trousers again soon. I, all of those things tie up into this inclusive, you know, you can be involved, you do deserve to be involved, your voice is okay to be heard, mm-hmm. um, you know, mindset of, of menswear. And I guess that's punk too, right?
1: I think so. And I think it—it it, it, a really strong point here is that as you mentioned it's it's still kind of like a subculture it's still kind of it's not mainstream Mm -hmm. yet i mean uh, menswear that's mainstream is still super classic and and conformative the you know it's in general what you know 50 percent of the population are actually wearing and buying yeah Uh, so the menswear that we are talking about the community the sort of I mean, Waco. These are serious menswear guys on the international arena, doing some of the most uh, advanced magazines and editorials and so forth. Uh, and even in the classic arena, it's it's pretty hard to chew for for an average average guy. Um, so I think maybe there's something in there that everyone feels that this this can be a a growing community. Um, whereas I think perhaps you know a a Paris Fashion Week is more. That's re. that's where the real powerhouses are and and you know not you know obviously right not right now, but um, uh, you know the the you know the Anna wintors or or the Karl Lagerfelds and all that the, these are really powerhouses uh, you know on the top of huge corporations that are steering the trends for how you know uh, billions of women are actually dressing so it's got a, it's got a different um uh, sort of establishment to it, mm-hmm. uh, whereas I think menswear is still sort of this growing, g- growing uh, uh, thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, to to jump back to Scandinavian man mm. with the stuff that you guys have been doing because it is very, you know, like you had said that there was like a lot of these roots in punk and inclusion to yeah. it, especially considering the fact that for you it wasn't about uh, like Swedish style, like I'm air quoting there, like it was about like this whole of scandinavia which is obviously more than sweden as you have norway you have denmark you have um you know you started out you were doing these magazines and i remember the last time we had chatted you were talking about branching into a little bit more of e-commerce stuff Mm. how how has that that been going in terms of the the evolution of it all not well oh okay (laughs) excuse me i can can just be super
1: honest about that
0: (laughs) (laughs) well as if what, what what's what's happening
1: well, um, I, I guess this is the first time I'm 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 talking about this um, publicly. But I'm in this sort of really a, a huge transition with the brand right now, okay. and the the coming months will will tell more about my plans. But basically, uh, as I said, Scandinavian Man started kind of like an experiment in a way. We it mm. was not like we had a set plan. Um, I knew that I wanted to you know, branch out from the traditional monthly magazine format. So I realized that this is a format that's not going to live. It's not going to sustain itself. Um, so, and I was curious about all these other types of platforms. I started a podcast with my brother. I was blogging. I had my own social media. And, but I had sort of all these other formats, uh, you know, like the podcast, like my own social media, that were living outside of the magazine brand that I was working with at the moment. And right. I was not really getting response from the publisher to do this stuff. Um uh, in a in in any serious manner within within plaza where i was so i really felt i wanted to start a an editorial brand that had all these elements that had the element of an event or a podcast and strong social media presence and all that and and this is something that i still really believe in so um, and you know we, I'm I'm super proud. We publish we've published five biannual magazines. We I think we've published uh, seven or eight uh, sort of these seasonal newspapers that we we um, distribute on fairs like Copenhagen Fashion Week and and Piteomo and and so and mm-hmm. so forth. Um, we've done I think plus 40 events during this time. And then we also had the idea of connecting an editorial brand with uh, uh, e-commerce. So you know, obviously inspired by the the evolution of you know that that started with Net-a-Porter and and later Mr. Porter, which has been hugely influential. And I think um, we we um, we were on the right track. I think we we didn't think wrong. The idea was was really good. Uh, and I think I, and I still believe in the sort of the convergence of content and commerce I think we're gonna see a lot of things happening there in that arena uh, going forward it just really didn't work out for us so um, actually what I've been doing for the past um, couple of months is sort of restructure the company uh, and move away from this whole retail thing because we sort of took on a, a, a huge beast that we Uh, We we underestimated the um, amount of energy and uh, actually cash that was needed to uh, grow a business like that. So our our content business, our magazine, the stuff we do for brands in terms of uh, helping them with... with, um, Uh, sort of like content agency work or, or uh, creating campaigns and stuff, that's still valid. And uh, that really sort of stands on the shoulders of this editorial brand that we've built. But uh, yeah, no, I have to admit the the e-commerce didn't, didn't work out.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm, first off, I'm sorry to hear that, but um, I, I wonder if it feels to me from my own experience that when you think of brands and you think of companies, there's usually a form of customer loyalty to them. Mm. But with e-commerce as a, as a whole, I feel like there's really no form of customer loyalty with e-commerce. It's, it's where can I get whatever it is the cheapest way Mm. and the fastest way. Um, And, and, and so it turns into, um, you know, just a cash bleeding game. When you look at, uh, companies like Mr. Porter who spend, you know, seven-figure amounts on just Google AdWords just to mm. boost their mm. their mm. search engine optimization into which if you search, you know, Brunello Cuccinelli, you get the Mr. Porter ads first and then having a way to get it to him as quick as possible Into which some cases, I mean, and this is, you know, this is not like private information, but um, some of the folks at Cuccinelli would be like, yeah, Mr. Porter sells Cuccinelli better than we can on our e-commerce just because of how much money Mr. Porter was spending on that customer acquisition cost to just right. keep people in that system. And and you know, in in a weird way though, all it takes is someone else to sell some other brand for just slightly cheaper. And then mm. there goes that that market share. It's it's weird.
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure, and uh, there are a lot of lessons learned that I, I, I'm, you know, I've been digesting for the past few months, and I probably will in the months to come, but I think I, I was speaking to another, uh, you know, one of the most successful e-commerce sites uh, here, in, here in Sweden, and he was saying, like, when they started 20 years ago, and they've, they've been, new, been at it for 20-plus years, you mm-hmm. know, 10 years ago, they, they, they as he said it, he didn't pay, quote-unquote, rent. But now we, and obviously as an e-commerce, uh, you, you would like, but you don't have any retail stores, so you don't have rent. But yeah, now we have to pay rent to Google and Facebook and all these people because they are controlling the, the customer traffic. So the old model is you had a store on the high street, you paid rent to be on that you know, lane where people actually, the consumers were traveling on or walking on. So now those lanes are, are virtual digital and they're controlled by these huge, um, uh, you know, uh, um, tech companies, uh, Facebook and Google and so forth. And they are controlling the customer, you know, movements. And so as, as you, uh, to your point as an e-commerce, you have to pay rent to these guys to even get access to the, to the consumers.
0: That, apps. I don't know why I didn't put that together. That's a very, very astute observation. Because, yeah, and I think I'm. I'm not yeah. sure how you know, uh, Mr. Porter. How
1: su- you know, if you look at the, you know, I'm. I'm speculating now, but the, what I've heard is that they're also. It's not obvious that it's a successful business. Uh, at, at least not. You know, one. One of the point is points is, we haven't seen that model replicated. You know, tenfold or a hundredfold. There are not a hundred different Mr. Porters out there that are combining these high-level editorial content with e-commerce. Um, there are a few that are doing a, a fairly good job, but but it's not like it's a it's a it's a an an obvious success, success successful uh, business model.
0: Yeah, I I mean as we're recording this, I think uh, Moda Men's recently uh, decided to. I don't even know what the correct word would be but they just more or less shut down and are winding that entire business down so mode operandi the the men's side of, mm. of the e-commerce thing they' just folded it all and the weird thing is is I really feel what like happened to Josh no uh Josh is still there and he's there winding it down but I think right. as soon as I think he has maybe a month or so we we were we were chatting the other day I think I love yeah Josh. his uh, me too I mean the good thing is josh is a smart guy he's a talented guy he'll end up on his feet but i mean poor guy it's, yeah. there, there's so many walls that you just slam into trying to to stay afloat in the the industry of menswear um but i think that the the companies that are going to stick around longer are really the ones that are also making their own clothes in the sense that or making their own products right i mean if it's a third-party reseller, people are going to go to wherever it's cheaper. But if you can only mm. get X product on X site, um, mm. ma- maybe that's 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 what'll keep it going. I, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, it's I don't mean to paint a dreary outlook, but I, I, it does cause me to I don't know brainstorm a lot.
1: Absolutely, and I think I think you c- you can view this issue from from many different angles. And I think, I, I, as I said, I still believe in sort of the convergence of content and commerce. And we're going to see mm-hmm. a lot of variations on this. But I think a lot of people coming from a traditional, a lot of guys like me coming from a traditional like magazine uh, world, were mm-hmm. hoping that like Mr. Porter was the salvation. Like. Okay, they brought in Jeremy Langmead from Esquire, and they, they hired a bunch of all these you know really talented writers and editors from the world of magazines and the world of magazines was like it's 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 crumbling, it's it's going down, it's it's sinking right. ships. like. But the the Mr. Porters of the world is going to save us, and they're going to hire talented writers and editors and pay them a, a really nice salary to do this stuff in that arena, but you know sadly I think that's not gonna be the case and as no. i said we don't have a mr porter in every country like we used to have a version of gq or 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 um or esquire or or, or these magazines in each country so it's it's more a diversified that way and i think i i think the responsibility or i think uh, i guess responsibility but i think it, it you we will see this development more Uh, on the brand side meaning Mm. brands need to become content creators and we see that this more and I uh, I use this word content creator (laughs)
0: it's okay you're
1: okay I I hate it because I'm an old (laughs) magazine editorial you know I'm a journalist right so I don't like the word content creator but (laughs) we're going to see brands that need to speak to their audience um, with credible content Right. So, uh, and we're seeing some a new wave of brands that are sort of what you call, you know, digitally native. They start, and they are sort of more savvy in this way because they know they have to speak to the the, to the to the consumer. Whereas a brand that's been around for a hundred years, it's not really in their DNA to talk directly to the consumer. Um, It's in their DNA to produce clothes and sell it to a retailer. That's what they've been doing for for the majority of their lifetime. So yeah. this notion of actually speaking directly to the consumer, having a website, you know, having social media that you have to update, you know, twice a day or three times a day, and there are like now seven or nine different social medias that you should be on with your messages, that is a a daunting task for most brands. And I think, uh, you know, part of what we wanted to do with Scandinavian Man was sort of come in and take some of that responsibility so sort of you know um, uh, and and sort of take the pressure off in a way and and you know take care of the content and we we built this you know uh, lavish marketplace where the brands could feed in their products and you know in a way I think there's, there's still merit to that idea uh, but it's just uh, as you said since it's so fast paced and the consumer is so Driven by price and uh, accessibility, um, in in terms of how fast they can get the product. Yeah, Uh, uh, it's a really tough task to to do well and and execute on well and be successful at. It's it's just it's super super difficult.
0: Yeah, it's I'm gonna be definitely trying to pay attention to um do the consumers need to change their mindset and behavior or do the brands need to do that more because i would say in a place like america which is all capitalist capitalist whatever mm. they're going to be like sorry you need to evolve or die and that's kind of cold and it's not really w- welcoming or anything versus maybe other places i think the consumer needs to have a better mindset where i shouldn't be mad at a you know a small independent company that can't get me my t shirt that I ordered within twenty four hours um you know or else I want a discount code. You know, like that that is a thing that has been kind of instilled into the I'll speak for the American consumer in that in that person's mindset where it's like I need it as quick as possible and if I don't there needs to be some form of like retribution. Um, and that I really hope and I want to try to challenge every single American consumer to do that because if that's the case, you're only going to buy from one retailer for the rest of your life. And look, I know some of the folks at Amazon Fashion listen to the show, like, Mm -hmm. the product's got a long way to go. Like, it's not, you know, like, I still, there's still better stuff out there. And yeah, I,
1: I don't know. I mean, there are, there are some huge issues uh, just lurking around the corner of, of what you're just talking about here. And, and, and these are actually some of the stuff that I really want to focus my editorial plat- platform on in the coming uh, months and years to come. And that the, the fashion industry has a huge responsibility in uh, 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 ch- changing the way they, they um, structure itself mm-hmm. and how they push product. And in a way, I, I, I kind of agree with you in one way, but in another way, I, I, I don't. Uh, I think the consumer is always going to... This, this is a double-edged sword for me. I think yeah. the, the structural side of this is... is um, and and uh, just to paint a picture, there are 150 billion garments produced every year in the world. And that is a number that's up uh, from 75 billion garments just five years ago. So it doubled in five years. So it's gonna, if it's going to double in another five years, or it's actually exponential. So in like two or three years, it's going to be 300 billion garments. It's, it's just a number that is, you know, how many people are there on the planet? It's, it's is it eight, eight now or something yeah. like that? Uh, so, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, I, I'm bad with math in my head, but it is, it's a serious amount of garments per yeah. person in the world. And, uh, you know, 30% of all the garments produced are not even touching the consumer. It's just an overproduction because, uh, you know, brands need them in their, in their uh, big stores and, and being accessed and so forth. And then we have the fact that only 1% of the garments is being recycled. So, okay. So here are a few facts that sort of illustrate the point of Ugh. how 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 you know painfully wrong this industry is. So right. can a consumer change that? I I think not. In a way, I think it doesn't matter. I mean, perhaps you know not to be uh, uh, you know taking the, lightly on, on the situation we're in now. But perhaps the situation like we're in now with the pandemic, it, it, it can rattle the, the industry, and, and it obviously it does. And perhaps there are uh, positive effects going into how we view uh, our own consumerism uh, you know, going out of this. Because obviously we're buying less clothes. All the, all the data shows that we're buying less clothes yes we're buying more stuff for our homes we're buying more groceries and and stuff like that and i was just to to the 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 the, the shop here in stockholm that sells plants uh, you know it's it's springtime season it's planting season they're packed with people and all they want to do is plant in in their gardens <laughs> right now um but in terms of uh, clothing i think the the industry has a a daunting task ahead of them to fix uh uh the situation that i just described um, and, uh, it, it, it kind of leaves you breathless, doesn't
0: it? Yeah. I mean, hearing that, I was like, oh God, that's so awful to hear, but yeah. it's, it's definitely, you know, I, I talked to Maurizio Donati who does an, atelier and repairs, and he's very much in the camp that it's just like, look, there doesn't need to be this many stores and there doesn't need to be this many brands. Oh. And it's while I agree with him. I have to realize that by agreeing with him, that also means that some of the brands that I do like, in a way I'm saying they don't deserve to be there unless they are good enough you know I'm like I'm even trying to be cautious as yeah but
1: that's a tough I mean it's a tough one and you know obviously a lot of responsibility uh it, 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 you know is is on the shoulders of the fast fashion brands that are, are you know uh, producing yeah. majority of, of this these garments that I'm talking about and, and I'm not I'm not only talking about H&M and, and Zara there are also you know you know we see Amazon going into this field we you know Walmart and all these players they all have uh um uh, they're all selling clothes so yeah. they're, they're part of it too, but yeah, no, that's, that's a tough one. And, and, you know, we're seeing, uh, we've seen a growth in fashion here in Scandinavia as well. Um, I started seeing a couple of years ago and definitely during last year that a lot of the brands were struggling and, you know, I've st- I, uh, sometimes and it's hard to it's hard to admit because it's it's as you say it's part of the community these are guys we really love and like and they're doing great stuff and they're doing cool designs and you kind of wish that people bought this stuff that's better than the fast fashion stuff uh but but for sure some of these brands perhaps don't deserve to exist and that's really tough uh, tough uh, yeah truth to to chew to chew a uh, tough cookie to chew but Uh, And on the other hand, I'm always, I'm always, whenever I talk about the the fast fashion guys, I I always try to be humble to the fact that um, what fast fashion is doing also, because it's easy to become elitist in this way and say, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone should buy their, you know, tailored suit and made to measure and keep it for 20 years and don't buy anything else. And that's just better for the environment because you can, you know, use it longer. And there's 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 something to that. Uh, another statistic is that we use the clothes on average three times before we throw them away or put them in the in the closet. And as I said, one percent is being recycled. So it the, most of the stuff that we consume is just you know uh, it, it just turns into waste. Um, so. But, but in terms of the fast fashion brands, they are also making sure that people with lesser means are able to, to clothe their children and buying you know sneakers for the children to use in school for various activities and so forth. So I think they're, they're, it's not an easy fix to say you know quit fast fashion. I think It depends on how you define it. but like to say that fashion shouldn't be cheap like that is, is kind of elitist. But if, if to me, it's like it—it it, it, it has boiled down to like this numbers game. If if we, you know, this thirty percent that I was talking about, the fifty billion garments that no, doesn't even touch the consumer. Can we cut that away? I mean, how that you, yeah. you've done a huge shift to the planet and the impact of, of the planet, and or can we use the the clothes on average six times instead of three? That's also a, a major major uh, change, and we got some of the brands coming out sort of advocating for for longevity in 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 the garments and i think that's great and sort of teaching the consumer to don't just wear this on friday night and throw it out on on saturday morning that's that's just not a good way to go and it's really hurting our planet yeah. um so but it's so it's a complex issue um but but yeah, yeah, it, 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 Everyone has a responsibility here. No one, no one is untouched by this problem because we're all consumers, and uh, we, we, you know, both you and I work in an industry where we take money from brands that, you know, have the purpose of selling more, more, more clothes. So, yeah. I mean, we're all at fault in a way, and you know, the best we can do is just talk about it as much as possible and, and shed a light on it, and and you know, I think you know. If, if, not to be preachy here, but you know, awareness is is the way to go here.
0: No, I mean, first off, thank you so much for for also calling out the fact that the whole, you know, buy less but buy better is, it's a very privileged mindset to have. Um, I mean, when I was younger, we, um, you know, I would say some of my wrestles with materialism and specifically luxury items Or because when I was younger, my family and I we couldn't afford um, new clothes. You know, like Mm. that—that's an air quote there—in the sense that like we couldn't get, you know, the the new stuff uh, or the the cool stuff. Um, And so we would go to thrift stores, or we would—I remember we had some neighbors, and they would give us some of their old clothes. And look, it's not like we were on the street, but it was just like the—you know—I remember when Old Navy opened up, which was part of the gap and that was their very very sort of low price you know entry level stuff of Mm. cool clothes that was a huge like godsend to us as a family because we could finally afford the clothes that other people um you know were wearing uh like uh, other like kids that i went to school with were wearing you know and that's that is something that I never really realized uh, until you, you you called out the fact that, like, yeah, that is this, this very strong form of elitism and privilege to just say, like, oh, you know, just buy a pair of $500 jeans. It's like, what the hell? Like, people are having trouble buying a pair of, you <laughs> yeah. know, $30 jeans. So, yeah. it, it's just um, that I, you're right. I think that is something that everyone as a whole is going to have to try to figure out uh, and understand, you know, wh- what that means, and, and mm-hmm. what does it look like to have recycled stuff, and then also how do you make clothes that are, in a sense, communicating to everyone else who you are as a person. That you can belong. I mean, that, uh, this is this is some very deep psychoanalytical stuff.
1: <laughs> I, I think I mean it's, it's, it's almost existential, right? And it, there's yes. no really, there's definitely not an easy fix, and there's no easy like solution. And I, I'm I'm always hesitant to anyone that, that advocates like one perspective on this so like yeah. i'm only buying vintage or i'm only buying clothes that i can wear for you know five years or ten years or more or, it's like it's it's much more complicated than that and and sort of counterintuitively, intuitively uh, i think you know it, it is actually some of the big players like h&m like sara and so forth that will uh, be able to and i know there's work being done uh, on this field that will be able to to Enforce technologies that that will will uh, make the supply chain move more um, uh, what's the word here more more effectively more effective Uh, so for instance if Mm -hmm. we have this Mm -hmm. this 30% of overproduction. Uh, a a way to solve this is to make sure that like machine learning and AI and all these technologies make sure that we don't we don't overproduce and we try to more in real time assess the demand that's out there and it's also and to be honest like you can go into furniture as well like when IKEA or H&M do uh, a major push with uh, like organic cotton or, or these better materials it has a major impact on the planet. Whereas if a small, cool yeah. brand from, you know, the Lower East Side of New York is doing like, oh, we're doing, we have, we have good production, we only source these types of materials, and you sell it to a small, little niche, cool crowd, it doesn't really have an effect on the planet at all, uh, to be frank, you know, yeah. fr- from just to give another type of perspective on it. So it's, it's really one of those, you know, <laughs> life issues that doesn't have... Um, a fixed solution and and as i said i think we're we're sort of all accountable and the the best thing we can do is just talk about this
0: yeah wow uh <laughs> i did not anticipate us to go anywhere like this in this conversation but i am elated and overjoyed see this is why i didn't send you talking points ahead of time because i'm like conrad he knows That's good he's a good journalist he knows what he's doing um <laughs> That's
1: good well, in a way, it talks to, I mean, I, I, not to be, um, we, we can go, go into it, but, but one of the things I really want to shift my platform into to doing is talking more about innovation and re- really raising the level of, of understanding with the, the issue of sustainability, because there's yeah. a lot of, you know, stuff flying around, and there's still a lot to be done in terms of educating people on this issue. And... Um, I I'm I'm, I'm as I think you can tell I'm sort of inspired to talk about this right now and I you know I no, love a good great. jacket and a good cloth you know piece piece of garment like 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 anyone but uh, my interest in fashion has led me to this point I think you know when I started yeah. you know following Tumblr what what's it now is it like 11 years ago or 10 years <laughs> ago or or something like that yeah. 12 years ago that's where my interest in fashion started and that's this this whole sort of rabbit hole of, of 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 getting to know on social media all of these guys not like personally getting to know them but 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 following them and you know like Aaron and, and Nick Wooster and all these guys they were sort of like cool uh the cool cats to follow and being inspired by way back when It it started with aesthetics, and I was like, I was curious about this stuff, and I wanted to learn more about style, and you know, I wanted to learn more about the rules of style, and then I became, I became editor of a a, a menswear magazine, uh, talking a lot about the rules of style, like sort of dug deep into that, but once, I think once you've learned the rules in a way, not to say I know all the rules, but but there, you come to a point where you start to reflect on these issues on a more sort of you know so, you know societal uh, perspective, uh, and and also I think it's it's because you, you become part of the establishment in a way you know as as yeah. you know I, 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 I suddenly find myself in this position of, of of having power of over what what brands to to uh, publish or give attention to uh, and, and so forth. And then you, after a while you start talking, thinking about your own responsibility in this. So I, yeah. I think it's, it's, it's kind of like a constant, uh, evolution from my part.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that's, that's great that that's a constant conversation and I hope that, you know, as Scandinavian man grows further, that, that maybe that becomes your guys' real lane is that you're, you're advocating for, um, you know, there's a form of equality that comes from all of that, but also a hyper-awareness and evolution of how people can consume and interact with brands. Because, look, it, at the end of the day, it's still fun to dress up and it's still fun to learn about yourself and who you are and, and to, to, to belong, to be someone. And a lot of that for so many people, like at least for myself, came through clothing. And I think that that opportunity is still there and hopefully will never go away. It's just how do we do that without um, torching our entire planet and every economy in that, in the meantime. Um, Exactly. Uh, Well, good. This was great. Um, I'm going to, you know, wrap it. If before we do, is there any other stuff you want to add or mention or plug?
1: Um, Maybe only that, that there will, um, you know, obviously we're in this sort of unprecedented situation and, you Mm -hmm. know, up until a month ago, um, uh i was i was about to roll up my my arms and and just go full full force on on the new changes we want to do on the platform um and And it, it, you know, I, I've also been in a situation uh, where I, I parted ways with my business partner and my co-founders. i bought 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 the brand myself. Um, oh, yeah. uh, that was sort of a consequence of of this sort of failed e-commerce situation um, to be to be fully transparent. But so um, only to say that there will uh, be some changes coming out. and if everything goes to plan, we will launch uh, uh, the next issue, uh, a little, a, a little belated uh, spring-summer issue, um, is, is somewhere in, in between May and June, so probably early June. Uh, that's going to be out, and and I think we're going to, you know, anyone who's followed us, and I really appreciate all the kind words that you've said and that that people have said about us around the world. Uh, there will be some changes uh, that I'm, I'm really excited about, so maybe we can get back to that then.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll I'll be first in line for sure. I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of everything that you do and continue to evoke across the industry. So it means a lot. Well, thank you, Jeremy. I I, I love Blammo. You know,
1: I've always been envious of the success that you have with the pod. It's it's way more way the success is way bigger than mine. But but nah, you're uh, too kind. It's it's the um, community. That's... So
0: I'm all yes. for it. Yes, there we go. All right, talk to you soon. Thank you so much. All right, see ya. You've been listening to Blammo. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. We're edited by Brendan Finn and we're produced by Blammo Media. Follow along with us on Instagram at Blammo Podcast and leave a review for us on your favorite podcast app. Yes, it really does help. Want even more Blammo? Head over to patreon.com forward slash Blammo to join the Blam fam and get access to additional interviews, a community Slack, special events, and more. And best of all, you're supporting the show. Try it, it feels good. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you in two weeks.